With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mount Westlar football podcast. Week 9. I guess it's week 9, technically. Recapping a couple of games, talking the big picture stuff. MWR.com's website, you can find recaps, previews, shenanigans, rankings, whatever we write about there. And today, we have a special guest joining us for part of the show. Normally, Matt Kernelly joins us, but he's getting married. He got married this weekend, so that's a good excuse to not be around. We, we took, it's an excused absence, we'll say here. Joining me now, we have Matt Wadley, who is a new old writer to the website. He's done stuff for us a long time ago, joining back up this season, and he's been on the podcast here there the past while, occasionally, so welcome. How you doing? You're back. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, I just got done watching the Chargers game, so uh, I'll, I'll have to decompress about that a little bit, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, Apolog- overall, I'm doing pretty good, yeah. Apologies. Hey, at least you're not like me, a Cowboys fan, and there's, uh, there's some issues going down in Dallas, so I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah, I feel like that's not a new situation, though. So Yeah, it's, uh, they have talent there, it seems like. They just can't get together for some reason. And so injuries suck, too, but defense, oh, my goodness. That's also, like, they play, I think they're playing right now. Sunday Night Football versus Eagles. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I may just cut, catch a highlight or who knows what happens. Do they win? Awesome, they don't. Well, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and they can still win the division. I think that's the crazy part. Oh, boy, that's uh. Yeah, sure. If they do well, I'll be fine with it, but I'm not invested to actively tune in to watch. I may passively see how they're doing. So, But what we're doing today, we're talking the second set of games for Mountain West football. We brought you on because we'll talk Fresno State CSU all the way back from Thursday because we got Thursday games, like Friday games, obviously all the Saturday games. Before we get to that, we got we got. I want to ask you about some big picture stuff only being two weeks because we're not going to go through every game because you're not – it's hard to watch every game. I kind of tuned in as much as we could to get it done. So what was your like kind of take on any non-Fresno State stuff like over the weekend, like any little bits or pieces you saw that was like – that piqued your interest at? What's going on here? I mean, uh, I'm from San Diego, so – but still, San Diego State, 400 rushing yards was um, a, a statement for me. Like, uh, I, we knew San Diego State was going to be good, but – the fact that they can just run the ball down everybody's throat is going to give other teams a problem. So, I mean, going into the year, we always thought Boise State was going to be the team to beat because they're always the team to beat. But San Diego State is looking right looking there. like they might give them a run for their money. I mean, 400 rushing yards is – it doesn't matter who you play. That's an, an impressive feat. Yeah, I did, you know, like, yeah, I did yeah. like the winners and the losers, and I put that in there because last year there was – okay, there was injuries to the running game. A slight tweak to the offense, but the running game, it just wasn't there. Like, whoever was running the ball, Chance Bell, 
Jasmine, whoever it was last year, wasn't great. And like this 400 yards, I thought it had been like five years, eight years, the last time they did that amount. They rushed, this is their, it was 20, 2017 versus, uh, I think it was San Jose State, where they rushed for over 500 yards, like on 70 plus carries. I'm like, you got to give me more than three years. I thought it'd be like 2014, maybe, because they've had amazing running backs the past seemingly five to eight years back the past, back to back to back guys. But no, it was just three years ago. But that's, like when I did our, I don't know if you heard or not, but people out there have, like I predicted Aztec 7-1, but I wasn't confident in it for some reason because new quarterback is doing what they need to do, just kind of uh, getting the job done. Running game was suspect because of what happened last year. New coaches all around, sort of with Rocky Long gone, um, Brady Hoke stepping up, I guess, to retake that role. I They're like... When I did my power pool, I don't know if you feel about yours, but I went Boise, San Diego State, and it's not even that close, I don't think, for number three. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's going to come down to. Um, and then I was looking at the San Jose State is 2-0, which Ooh, yeah. to me doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But, First I mean, time since Ronald Reagan was president. You'll hear that a lot this week. <laughs> I mean, 30 years, 37 years. UNLV looks, you know, they look like UNLV. So who's worse, UNLV or Utah State? <laughs> I mean, Utah State scored 20 points in two weeks combined, so that's that's a that's an issue. But, I mean, I still think UNLV is the worst team overall. Me I think too. Utah State. I mean, everybody in college football in general is still shaking off the rust. So that's why through two weeks it's really hard to, to tell. But, it, it is. like I mean, It's tough, yeah. With the whole COVID situation, you see even the, the top 25 teams, the top 10 teams, they're still shaking off rust, and they've been playing for – most of them have been playing for a few weeks already. So, I mean, it's going to be some time, but for the Mountain West, there's not a lot of time. So, You're right. it's going like, to be an interesting, like, a stretch run over here. I know you mentioned, like, Boise State, like, they're doing well. Like, they sort of struggled versus Air Force a little bit. Who, but the big thing in that game, when I'll go into more depth later, like, they play, and again, they're my winners and losers team because I put the depth as a winner. Jack Sears comes in, has an amazing game in his first ever start at FBS. They lose George Solani early in the game. They lose two defensive starters. A starting defensive back doesn't make the trip. And they still put up almost 50 points. <laughs> well, Boise State is one of the best schools in the country. So, I mean, yeah. I'm sure Roz is going to be happy to hear me say that. But Oh, you know, boy. I'm going to They always, clip they that. always get, the, the, <laughs> they get the recruits. So, they're going to have more depth than Fresno State and San Jose State. And, Ooh, you know, especially the California schools. Nobody wants to go to these schools anymore. So, I think that's that's a problem for us over here is – there's so many schools around that are going to recruit you. It is. It was just surprising, like how like how much they've lost, and they still like the defense needs a bit of work. Like they give up 30 points, and Air Force did, was also missing a couple running backs, like Kenner Remsburg, uh, Tim Timothy Jacks wasn't there. They went to a uh, like uh, Hazik Daniels quarterback didn't play very much. They switched up QB. So there's like you're right. There's a lot of either injury, and we don't know like Hank Pockmeyer if it's a COVID thing or if it's because they only had one player was out for COVID, but two players didn't make the trip. So that's always an issue too, like who's playing, who's not like Air Force like last week. No, no, the offensive linemen were gone. Nevada didn't have players come in, come in like Toa Talent didn't play two weeks or I guess the first weekend of games. And then let's get to the big thing before we get to games. Where's New Mexico going to play? They're going to Las Vegas to practice this week. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird situation. Uh, I I heard somebody say Sam Boyd. I don't know. I, I don't think, know about that, but I think it's where they're practicing or because they have separate yeah. facilities. So. That ooh, that's that can't be good, right? No, I mean either way, it's not a good situation. But I mean, Sam Boyd is, you know, 
I have bad memories there from the Fresno State USC in Las Vegas oh, a couple years ago. So that was not a fun sight. Uh, but it's it's <laughs> but, like it's tough because they have the two week quarantine no matter what. Like the negative tests won't bypass you to come in, which is I get they're being really safe, and so it's like I I'm not going to fault it. If, if any state or local area is being overly done on it, I'm like fine. That's what you're doing. If you're doing that, I'm not going to say it's a bad move to do, even though a lot of people would. It's hard to do, but for them, it's not just a like the toll like. They, they're going to go into Vegas this week. They're going to travel to Hawaii. They come back. I'm assuming back to Las Vegas. They're probably going to play Nevada at Reno because that's their next game. So they have a couple, like, and then after that, they have a couple road games, like Air Force and I forget who else, somebody else might be San Diego State, I forget. But they're going on the road after the, the one home game versus Nevada. But imagine if you're a guy, like, it's not just sucky for football-wise, like you're not playing at home, but you're still going to school. You're living out of the suitcase. You know what I mean? Like, you you're you're still do, you're doing all these things you're normally trying to do. Like if they set up shop in Vegas, that's a little bit more understandable on what to do. Maybe they'll play games in Sam Boyd when they have a couple home games the final two weeks. But I predict a couple of weeks they're like they're not playing a game at home. And our buddy Roger Holland's like, yeah, that's what everybody's saying here. They're probably not going to be at home. But it's like a mental toll. It's a physical toll. It's just going to be. And it's Danny Gonzalez's first year as ever as a head coach, and they did put up. A, they played San Jose State pretty close, but. Overall, it's like a, it's every everything possible, and you're also trying not to get sick. It's like, what are we doing? It's like it's and part of it that's interesting. I read up on because I'm like that's gonna cost some money, right? They're staying in hotels. I think they're doing all this stuff where they're not at their at home, and so they were said like if they were to not play games, it's more beneficial. They'll actually make money because of whatever Fox and uh, CBS needs for inventory. So they're not coming out money losers on this, but they're clearly like gaining money for the tennis team, the soccer, all the other peripheral sports that don't bring in cash. So this season's going to be wild for Danny Gonzalez. In 2021, it's like, you guys be like, you remember that year back in 2020? <laughs> we went to Vegas to practice. We had to go to every road game. This is nothing. We can handle this. Right. Well, I think for, for most uh... – most people going to Vegas for a while would be a good thing, but right now with COVID, it's the exact opposite. But you brought up a good point with like uh, them living out their suitcase, and I mean, these are college students, so it's it's hard to adjust to the college lifestyle, and even more being somewhere you're not familiar with and away from like your friends and your family and whatever the situation may be. It's even in the NBA, you see in the bubble, it took a toll on them mentally. So I can't imagine like college students doing essentially the same thing like for free in mexico's case you know yeah for free exactly so it's like even the it's freshmen, gonna be stuff like the yeah. young guys like year one guys it's like your transfers is like we're doing what now <laughs> yeah even the the mlb in the playoffs they were in a bubble for for the postseason and they couldn't really see their families except at the game so it was a weird situation but i mean covid's brought about a lot of weird situations this year so like you said it'll be a good test for for them going forward and kind of something uh, unfair advantage compared to the rest of the teams in the conference. Yeah, that'd be tough. All right, let's get to – or is there anything else you want to get to, or should we get to the Fresno CSU game? I mean, I was just going to say Nevada's 2-0. and Okay, yeah. Kinda not sure what's going on over there, but, I mean, they might. At this point, I think we could say they might be the third-best team in the conference. It's kind of – like you said, it's kind of up for grabs between a couple people, but – yeah, the drop off from two to three is like really significant. So I think well, I, I may I may double back on that because Carson Strong's a really good quarterback, and he put up he's had in two games almost six hundred yards or no sorry so, wait he had four twenty last week he almost had almost eight hundred yards in two weeks 
And they brought back, and Tauto is back, and yeah, they crushed UNLV. Like, I think they might be a little bit closer. Them and Wyoming are right there, but I'd still put Boise State in the seat ahead. But I, like, the way their offense is going, I think they may be a touch closer. But there's a decent gap, but, like, them and Wyoming are pretty good right there. And so there, yeah, you're right, their offense, like, did you see what, uh, what's his name, Romeo Dobbs did? Six catches for 211? Holy moly. <laughs> That's like the... <laughs> What's up with that? So yeah, I, yeah, I, I might say they're a touch closer, but they're still third. But like, I would put them. Here's what, how I'd put it. I think, I think I'd put them Nevada closer, San, closer to San Diego State than San Diego State to Boise State. But it still as put, of now, as of now, yeah, yeah. But it'll be fun. It, this like, who knows? Like, it could be like you mentioned, like trying to get their sea legs going, trying to practice who's healthy, who's not. And I think it's gonna come down to the whole year, like who's healthy enough and. Who can go? Like if Boise State, like they lost five guys, whatever. I think it was five or six guys for this weekend. They play BYU at home Friday night. They're a one, only a one point underdog to it. Allegedly, well, I can't say alleged because they are a top ten team in the polls, but to a top ten team, they're only a one point underdog at home. To a, that's that's saying a lot about Boise State. It is, yeah, because BYU's yeah they haven't played amazing opponents, but they've been winning by like thirty points every week except for like one game. Right. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Let's get to it. CSU, Fresno State. Fr- fr- uh, no, so, excuse me. Thursday night, 38-17, Fresno State. So let me ask you this first of all. How do you like uh, Kellen, Kellen DeBoer doing a pretty good job in his year one as head coach? I like him. Uh, you know, when they hired him, I, I really liked him when he was here running the offense. And then, you know, he went off for a couple of years. But, like, when I was listening to all his interviews and, you know, his press conferences over the offseason – he just feels like a very confident guy. I mean, working with Tedford and, you know, his background, he's been around for quite a while. So I do like him and I like the the wrinkles that he's, it's just a different team than when DeRuder was here and when Tedford was here. You can just, it just feels more different. And it's just, it's a nice change, I guess, from what we've been used to at Fresno State and especially on the offensive end. It's, it's something, I feel like it's more college. You know, uh, DeRuder was all about the, ecology type offense it didn't really work and then Tedford kind of you know had had his had his issues but I I like the DeBoer hire I really do yeah it makes sense he was OC for their two best years and time novel yeah. title game appearances like what so what happened from lot from game one to game two like Jake Hader didn't play all that great versus away the three interceptions one wasn't really his fault at least he turns around 300 plus yards three touchdowns completes about 67 percent of his passes like, he came out and looked really good in this game. So, what do you think the difference was? And they tried to have him run, even though he got sacked a few times. That didn't help. But like, what was what changed a little bit? Was it because I know Hawaii's defense isn't great, and neither is CSU's, but he seemed to turn a corner just in one week to have one of the best weeks in the Mountain West as a quarterback. Yeah, I asked myself the same question. But, I mean, Jake Hainer hasn't really played for a couple years any – any live snaps except for practice. And I mean, last year he just sat back and watched. So I think maybe the game last week against Hawaii was, you know, he was trying to get the feel for it. And you could tell a lot of throws, you know, he rushed and he was overthrown and a lot of mistakes we could, we could point out, but the whole team in general last week didn't really play well, except for you could say a couple defensive players and of course, Ronnie Rivers, but Ronnie Rivers is always going to play well, but, I think the the thing with Hainer is he was just really rusty, and of course, like like we allude to it all the time, 
they went almost seven months without a live practice. So for a guy that's been sitting for that long, not to even practice with the team for seven months, it's it's going to take a toll on you. So I that's kind of what I think it is. I loved Hainer when you know he transferred over here, and I was kind of nervous they were going to not have him start, but he looked he looked really good on Thursday night. It was really refreshing to see his confidence, and you know he has a great arm to be honest. So I think going forward. That's a reassuring sign for Fresno State. I think it's too. Like last week, like he his completion percentage was pretty good. It's just his picks that really cost him. Because when they were playing Hawaii, it was twenty four sixteen, and it driving for a chance to tie the game if they go for two. And so they were in the game. It's like had he had a cleaner game, they'd probably be sitting here two and zero. Like hey, like they brought, I saw they brought a Ben Woldridge here and there just for a change of pace for a couple of reasons things for whatever reason. Like Ronnie Rivers, really good, which we know. They seem to possibly find a new receiver that's um, in Carrick Wheatfall, who did really good at his senior there, who had what do you have, uh, eighty-seven yards, five catches last week or yeah. yesterday. He's like this in this game too. It seemed like kind of the progression of the game. The first quarter is kind of slow, but that second quarter, like their drive chart, what they did, they outscored them seventeen to seven. The Rams we're talking about here, like it was pretty close going out, like until that until that second or excuse me second quarter, like they forced the turnover and downs twice. They only took advantage of once, but basically they scored 14 points off turnovers because turnover on downs, that's a turnover clearly, just not like a traditional fumble or pick. And then they recovered the fumble after just one play to go up 38, or that, that's the later game, sorry, in third quarter. But like the turnover on downs and the touchdown, like those two possessions probably really got the game going. I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong. I wish, see, I'm going to go on a rant here. I wish, look, maybe I should have used ESPN, Matt. That's the problem here. They used, they used, to, they used to go quarter one, quarter two, quarter three. Now it's first half, second half. And so I'm looking yeah, at I it saw late. that. That's, that's kind of weird. So it's really that third, fourth quarter part was back-to-back. But like it's that's where – those are the probably the two biggest things because the Rams were in the game like 24-10. Like they – Fresno punched a couple of times. The turnover and downs and the fumble. That basically ended the game. But before that too, like going into that quarter, they scored – they got the field goal and the two back-to-back touchdowns. Like the defense really – stepped up, and that was a concern because what Shavon Cordero did last week where he ran for over 100 yards, two backs over 100 yards, and this game you could tell with CSU, they went with uh, Todd Centennial, the Temple transfer. They were clearly doing Todd Graham. Like, he led the team in rushing, which is probably not ideal, but they did a lot of, not necessarily read options, which he did, but a lot of quarterback design runs. And it worked for a little. He had a big 35-yarder, and for me early on, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a big concern. But they clamped down on that, and then when they tried with Marcus Malcolm, the traditional running, he had the one touchdown, but they only rushed for 150 overall. They were under 50% pat or barely over 50% passing because they brought in Patrick O'Brien because I honestly felt O'Brien should be starting because he clearly came in and gave them the spark with a passing touchdown and completing 7 of 10 passes. Like Besides Trey McBride, they didn't play all that great overall, and, so that, and it shows when they couldn't convert – on certain situations, then when they fumble the ball, it's like, come on, you got to take care of business when the quarterback, when he runs out many times, he's going to fumble at some point because he's not a traditional ball carrier. Right, and even on the on the broadcast, they said, I think it was David Perales, the, the Bulldog lineman, that they were preparing for Patrick O'Brien. So I think that's why at the beginning of the game, Santel, they weren't, they weren't ready for it. It seemed like they weren't ready for it, and as the game went along, they made adjustments and they were able to kind of be patient. I think the Fresno State has a good defensive front seven for the most part, so I think that's something that they can kind of hang their hat on on the defensive end. Yeah, and they but tur- like you said. They turned yeah. around too real quick because Cordero, I really quick on the QB, I'll let you go, but 
Centennial, they Todd Graham or excuse me, not Todd Graham, um, Steve Adazio saw what Todd Graham did with Shavon Cordero with the quarterback writing, so they figured, which is a smart move in his part, to have a mobile quarterback to take advantage, and they sort of did. Like eighty yards by quarterback is pretty it's really good, honestly, when you're trying to do that. But you're right, Fresno, they made adjustments and preparing for a Brian's different, but Shavon Cordero, they have a here's where it worked better for Hawaii. They have a better passing rate, despite Trey McBride getting 130 yards. Hawaii's passing the ball to everybody. And so once Fresno was like, okay, we could focus more. They weren't spread out as much as what I'm getting. Like they're not playing four DBs or nickel coverage. They only have like five to six guys stopping the run. And so that's where I felt they made a good coaching change in that part to make adjustments. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, we know Colorado State was down a couple of their receivers, so I'm sure that didn't Oh, that's right. I forget. Dante Wright didn't event. play. Um, what's, yeah. what, who else is up to? There's somebody else as well. I forget. Um, yeah. And also last week they didn't even have a game. So it was yeah. just a weird couple of weeks for, for the Rams on that end. So I'm sure they were like, you could tell they were kind of like out of rhythm a little bit. And Very new coach. They yeah. made those. Yeah. They made the defensive adjustments and then really wasn't anything they could do after that. All right. So it's a good game for us on 38-17. Let me ask you a couple of questions here before we kind of, uh, we'll wrap up the show. We'll kind of get to your final thoughts here. So what do you see Fresno State going forward? Because they have – I think the schedule looks really nice. They go to UNLV should be a victory, in my opinion. Same at Utah State. San Jose State's improved, and that's a rivalry game. So I can see that kind of being a toss-up at this point right now. And they got San, San Diego State, which will be very difficult. At Nevada, tough. And wherever they play New Mexico, at New Mexico. What do you have a feeling for the rest of the way? I think they're a team that could maybe get the five wins, like go five and three possibly, or at least four and four at minimum. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident – about five and three. I think San Jose State and San Diego State are well. San Diego State is going to be a tough game. San Jose State, we need to see kind of how they turn out. I'm just a little, yeah. dis- a little bit. A little disappointed we're not playing Boise this year, but I think it's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think five and three is on the table. Yeah, and I mean going into this year, not many people had a lot of confidence in Fresno State, and for good reason. The new coach, new quarterback. You know, new players, but losing Rice to Arkansas State in the preseason—that's a blow too. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think like if I'm going to go on the record here, rec- like rest away, all their tough games are at home. Like, and who knows when New Mexico will be where that'll be played at the point of the year. But even if it gets played, but like they're going to be sitting at three and one, probably four and one going into San Diego State, and that's going to be a game because Aztecs don't play Boise State. Um, they play Nevada, so that's tough one too. Like that game could kind of be because remember, there's no divisions for this year, so that game could kind of be almost an eliminator game of who who gets that the one or two spot possibly could knock a team out. Yeah, or at least or at least for Fresno State, get back into it if Aztecs have to be undefeated at that point. I mean, if San Diego State ran for 400 yards yesterday, I'm a little worried about what they're going to do to Fresno State's defense because Fresno State's rushing defense, you know, doesn't look the best, but I think. They have time to prepare for that. So, but I definitely think that's a game we look on the calendar and we circle as a a key game. If Fresno State can play like they did Thursday and not like they did last week against Hawaii, that's a big thing. I think the big change that was like it could have been the thing. Like you're right with Hayner, he sat, he transferred from Washington, scout team QB last year. Fresno was one of the last teams to even practice at all in the country because like during summer, like our buddy Matt Kennerly, he's out there in Fresno. He's like, well, no, nothing's happening. Nobody's doing anything. And they couldn't even practice like the June first. No, like a handful of schools. I think San Diego State was another. Not practicing July. Like they had to get special permission to practice. Like San Jose State, 
they had to go to Humboldt College hours away. Fresno could hardly practice, so maybe he's just knocking off the rest for week one to week two. Yeah, that, I think that's a big thing. I think it was like September, mid mid to late September when they finally started practicing. Yeah. So, I think, like I said, that's that's a a big issue. But I think um, one big difference from this week compared to last week is Ryan Grubb really made a lot of adjustments offensively, and he did a lot of things. I mean, I think Fresno State is one of the deepest receiver groups as a whole in the conference, you know, with Cropper and you said Wheatfall. And then, you know, Jordan Mims mm-hmm. is a running back, but using him as a receiver. So running there's rivers, a lot of yeah. different a lot of different ways they can use these guys. And I like how he did some reverses and some sweeps and a lot of screens with Cropper. And he's using the receivers for their strength. So I think building on that is going to be hard for opposing defenses to come in instead of, you know, when Devontae Adams is here, it's just you're throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. Of course, they still can't stop him, but it's different because they have a big group of receivers that can – do a lot of things. And like you said, Rivers and Mims, they're, they're hard guys to, to game plan for. So I think the more creative they get on the offensive end is going to help them in, in the long run. Yeah, they threw to seven different pass catchers. So it's really great. It's not throwing like the Keyshawn Johnson or Devontae Adams where they're there. Like in the Hawaii game, he threw to, let's see, kind of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different players caught a pass versus Hawaii, seven versus uh, CSU. And so you're right, if they could – spread it around and you're right, doing the end arounds, reverses, kind of misdirection plays, and having Ronnie Rivers who can run the ball up the middle and Mims when he gets his carries. Like this is a team where I'm would I'm not gonna at the moment like, kind of predict him to win the league or anything, but at this point in time, what we know and the and also what the big thing is the huge improvement from one to two and week one to week two and who they play. Like if they're able to get past either it might take both, but it, I wouldn't be surprised. Like at this moment I'm not gonna Say they'd beat San Diego State, I would say that's possible. I think they could beat Nevada. Same type of games where it's a top. I'd lean a bit more towards San Diego State and maybe a touch towards Nevada, but they're not unwinnable games. And if they're getting better from their first and second game to what they're doing now and going forward, like I would not be, I wouldn't put it out of the question that they can't reach a championship game. I know it's only two games, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But, <laughs> and again, CSU wasn't great last year. And this year, new coach, all that. But, like, the improvement I saw. And Hawaii, like, they played well versus uh, Wyoming, but then they – or not Wyoming, but Nevada. But Wyoming game wasn't great because the defense got to it. But, like, I would put them in the running for what they've – the change they've done. And you got to trust DeBoer as well because when he was here, it was their best off two-year offensive stretch. Probably seems like Derek Carr was in town. Right. And, I mean, yeah, it's only been two weeks, but that's that's half the fun, right? Especially, yeah, exactly. I mean, what? Eight games they're playing. So if you think about it, they're a quarter way through the year through conference play. I mean, in my mind, if Fresno State, Boise State rematch would be great. I know a lot of Boise State fans are upset from a couple years ago, but you know it's it is what it is. Anything can happen, honestly. Yeah. And like you said earlier with the COVID situation, you never know who's going to play from week to week. Well, look at Boston, injuries happen. B- yeah, and BC. Yeah. With a uh, BC nearly beat Clemson. Trevor Lawrence has already ruled out versus Notre Dame next week. It's like, and it's weird too. I see Clemson as a six point favorite. I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> we'll see. But like, that's what's weird. It's going to be who's healthy and who's being the safest way. So, like, and plus, one last thought here before we move on or we get going. But like, their schedule's nice self confidence being very likely five, well, let's see, two, three, four and one playing San Diego State hosting for the oil can. Right. Just saying. So, any last parting thoughts or you got oh, everything off your chest for Fresno State this week? Yeah, that's about it. Um, 
I'm just glad that they could rebound and and kind of, you know, show show the Bulldog fans that their true identity. Hopefully, you know, hopefully this is something that's sustainable. So, all right. So Matt, thanks for hopping on. So I'm gonna move on here a second, but go follow him at Wadley underscore. Right. What is it? Wadley underscore Matt twenty four. So go follow him there. Do some Fresno stuff. He'll retweet everything. He's doing more Fresno State coverage for us. And we'll see if we can get you back on again. We're kind of mixing up the podcast. So, so maybe, uh, well, we have you on a few times before. So we'll figure out something down the road again. But no, but thanks for hopping on. And uh, good luck to your Bulldogs. All right. Before we move on to our next game, again, thanks for Matt Wildley for hopping on with me. Again, check him out. Fresno, <coughs> excuse me there, folks. Fresno State coverage on the website. He's doing great stuff. Hop on the podcast. Before we get going. We do this every week. We got a great um, sponsor who hangs out with the podcast. We got my bookie. So we talk all the time about betting on whatever you want. Again, one thing you can bet on, which is quite interesting, presidential prop bets coming up on Tuesday. Hopefully, uh, and sooner than later, so you can bet on that. But really, you got the NFL, college football going on right now. You have um, coming up soon college basketball coming up relatively soon around the corner whenever schedules come out. But my bookie has all thousands of lines available. On all your favorite sports teams and events, turn game day into payday over at MyBookie. So you got the favorites, obviously. So consider putting a couple parlay. If I know our buddy Matt Kennedy was in Vegas this weekend. He went. He did, a, I think, a three-team parlay. It didn't go his way. But guess what? With MyBookie, we got you hooked up. Like our promo code overtime to double your deposit dollar for dollar. So taking advantage of that could help you all the way to uh, an extra thousand bucks. That's what we're getting. That's what we're getting here, folks. So. If you want to start off with a few extra bucks in your pocket to get going, that's great. Again, don't forget underdogs. They have a ton of value. Um, NFL, too. It's like crazy. NFL games all over, all over the place are doing great this year for everyone. Have fun. And the Mountain West, this past weekend, before the San Jose State and New Mexico game was swept locations, every road team was a favorite. So check out the road favorites as well and go on that. But again, we've got a signing bonus here designed to give you a little extra juice, a head start on your winning season. Again, one last time, that promo code, overtime to claim your deposits up to $1,000. So definitely go check out my bookie. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, next games. We're going here for the set of uh, Mountain Wisconsin's Ready. But a deep dive into Fresno State CSU. We got a little bit of an overview with our buddy uh, Matt. Uh, Matt Wall, we're talking about the other games, his big thoughts. So within the Mountain West, let's go to the first game on uh, – actually, go Friday. Apologies. When I thought this would have been the best game of the weekend, it didn't turn out that way. <coughs> Excuse me. But Wyoming 31, Hawaii 7. The reason I felt this would have been one of those close games, getting after it – it was for the first half. It was only 10-7 to 7 in favor of the Pokes at halftime. Here's why I thought – maybe I was misguided. I was, however – not to nothing, nothing, but I was the only one to pick straight up Wyoming to win out of our group on our staff. So first off, props up to me as I'm raising the roof. Nobody can see me act like a fool. I did pick Wyoming to win. I didn't think it'd be a blow, but here's what happened. I kind of thought we know Nevada's uh, Nevada's defense isn't as great as Wyoming's. Obviously, Wyoming's defense is really good. They picked it up in that game. So I figured Shavon Cordier wouldn't run as much. Fact: nine attempts, one yard. That's all he had in this game. 
No 100-plus yard game. And also, he was like, he was very inaccurate. He was 11-26, to 26, and this wasn't a bunch of, there's a couple where passes were closed, players dropped it, but there were, I can count, dozens of overthrows, and that possibly could have made the difference because he had guys wide open and just overthrowing guys for deep 20-plus yard passes. Like, he had, he did have that one, there was that long pass to a, Zion Bowens for 47 yards, but besides that, they had basically no explosive plays. They barely ran the ball. Like, Miles Reed, not barely, I guess, but he only had seven carries and 54 yards. Like, they weren't doing all that great, and one of those was 32 yards. So, in the first half, it was a... Wyoming's offense was struggling. They didn't score until the second quarter. Like, here's the reason, a couple issues. Touchdown the first drive for Wyoming. They drive down the field with uh, Levi Williams, who's clearly now the starter with uh, Sean Chambers out with his leg injury. They went down and only a couple plays touchdown. Hawaii fumbles the ball two two plays later. Field goal for Wabins. They're up a quick 10 0 before, before much happens, like in that first quarter. And then it was close, like back and forth, back and forth, a bunch of pods. Missed field goal by Wyoming, which uh, didn't haunt them. End of the half, like here's where the game could have changed. Hawaii makes a nice six play drive, like 84 yards. Like they're finding Calvin Turner. They're finding everybody downfield. That's where that big Zion Bowens play. That got them inside the five-yard line, converted that for touchdown. Then they miss a field goal and then punts. Like, they could have had a difference. Like, the opportunities they had weren't there for Hawaii. Like, give credit to Wyoming, like, for scoring 31 points and shutting them down. Like, they're forcing fumbles. Or, excuse me, forcing turnovers. The interception late in the game. But, like, like they turned that into seven points. And they kind of slowly put the game away. But it came down to, like, when it was only 24. Okay, here's the game. That's what it came down to, seriously. 17-7, Hawaii's going down the field, moving the ball, pass the ball, doing reasonably well. One of the interceptions from Cordero to Charles Six, he got another one. Wyoming turns that to a touchdown, turnover and downs again. Wyoming scores a touchdown to basically pull the game away. But watching this game, like, a couple things I noticed. Xavier and Valade back had a huge game. we got to give credit to Nevada's defense. They slowed them down a bit. But a couple things I noticed from Valade, 32 carries. 32 carries. He touched the ball 34 times, two catches as well, for 195 yards. Like, he was out there, the workhorse that we don't. And 32 is, I believe, I'm correct, I should look this up, but I believe it's a career high. Like, he can't do that every single week because that's not sustainable. But in a short season, actually, maybe it is to get over 25 carries a game. But he's a running back where he will get his every single time. Like, when he's rushed, he's already rushed for... 54 times to lead the Mountain West. And so he is going crazy. That's clearly 27 game. Last year, he had just over 20. So maybe not that much, but like he's a guy who just went through tackles, abuses the Hawaii defense. And then also, which which is also plus, Trey Smith, senior running back. Typically, when you look at a box score last year for Wyoming, it was basically Valde, all his carries, and then Levi, or I guess Chambers, he played. But Smith had 20 for 89, two TDs of his own. And so if they're able to get, like, a double running back situation going on, Levi Williams, a quarterback who went for 7 for 29 but has the capability to run, they don't need him to throw, very well, throw much. And he his passing game wasn't as good as last week, just 9 of 18 for 112. But if he's throwing that few times, but the running game is doing what it's doing, like, there is no reason they should not take advantage and just uh, win these games. Like, what they're doing is wild with the amount of rushing they do. And, like, Hawaii, the offense took a big step back. Like, Cordero did a 180. I put him in the uh, winners and losers. Like, he had 
relatively speaking, to last week, not a good game, and really not great overall, under 50%. Like, if I'm looking at the positives for Hawaii, like, the first quarter they did okay. Like, they didn't do good on third down, 4-13. They weren't running the ball very well. They had seven penalties that didn't help. They had two interceptions. Wyoming basically did everything after that first quarter to take advantage of the game to win. Or even the first quarter, they scored 10 points. But the whole game, second quarter, they were stifled a bit, but like 8 of 15 on third downs. They were 50% passing, which is not great. Rushing game, very good. Only five penalties, only one turnover. Held the ball for 38 plus minutes. So like Wyoming, they're a team, like there's a lot of teams in the Mountain West, as we discussed with Matt before. A lot of figuring out who you are with who's healthy, who's eligible, who can play, who can't play. Like one issue with Wyoming, um, Ringo Bussey, zero catches this game. I'm double-checking. I'm 99% sure he played. But, like, he had no catch. He's supposed to come in for North Texas and just crush this team and be amazing. And so, nothing for him. Like, that's not what Hawaii wanted to do. They wanted him to get the ball. Like, Jared Smart, only 432. So, when you look at also Wyoming's defense, like, who's going to step up? Like, who's these guys? Like, one of the best guys of the weekend, which Jordan uh, Bar- Barganel had two, two and a half TFLs, seven tackles, one and a half sacks. Like, they had seven TFLs. Five sacks. Why is offensive line, which that would be pretty good, could do literally nothing. They're harassing Cordero all night from that Wyoming side. And we look at Hawaii's defense, like, they okay, five TFLs, but they couldn't get the quarterback. They could not stop the run. And if they can't stop the run, they're going to be in a big world of hurt because they got San Diego State coming up. They play them in the schedule. They have Boise State with George Solani and Van Buren. We'll get to it in a minute here. They have Nevada who ran the ball well. They have Charles Williams they face. So I knocked Hawaii out of my bull projection for the loss this week. Said one one in Wyoming, like they are one one as well at the moment. They have the win over Hawaii. They lost last week to uh, Nevada, who's really good, but that was a close loss. Like they go to CSU for the bronze boot. That'll be interesting on an evening game. They have Air Force back to back rivals. Utah State, like they have a good stretch. Like USU, UNLV, UNM, they'll probably take care of business there and get the four wins. Probably beat CSU, Air Force. I don't think I'm being positive. I'm being super positive for a team that didn't win the game or a team that didn't win the game. So we'll see how they go. They wrap the season with Boise State. But this is a, a good game for Wyoming to see that the defense got back and also give credit to Nevada for how many points they could score against a pretty good defense. So that's what I got for Wyoming Hawaii. We move on to the next set of games. The most interesting game of the day, I guess, I guess is Boise State Air Force. This is a game like pregame. B.J. Range of the Idaho Press Tribune mentioned Hank Bachmar, starting quarterback, out for the game. Did not travel with the team. And so that's like a – that's not good. And they didn't realize that case like during the um, radio pregame show. And so he's out. And it wasn't just that. So that meant Jack Sears getting – USC transfer made a pit stop at San Diego State, moved on to, to Boise. Good time in a long time. Immediately eligible for the transfer, but he barely played at USC. He's not like a guy who played a lot and moved out of town. And so he got the start. This game, though, 49 to 30. Boise was trailing 14 to 7 at one point, so they were, were down a little bit in the game. However, but like when the game started, like, actually, I want to get to the injury part first. Like, it wasn't just Bachmeyer that was out. And so we'll see what he if he's going to be able to play Friday versus BYU. But they had injuries after injuries. I'm trying to double-check that. Like, they, they missed a couple of offensive starters. Um, excuse me, defensive starters. They lost a... Andrew Van Buren had to come in for George Shalani. He left the game. 
You had defensive tackle and one of our MWR top 50 guys who, um, oh, of course, I get a video played in my ear. So, like, you, they had multiple starting defensive back out, Hank Bachmeyer out. They lose George Lonnie during the game. It was Skinner, who's the secondary, who was out in this game. And then you have guys like, uh, who else is out here? Sorry, I had it in front of me. Um, excuse me. If, I, if I'd follow everything in my notes I wrote earlier, that'd be great. But two defensive, uh, two def defensive players out. Um, they just, like, it was a tough game to come in and not, you know what I mean, to come in and, and not lose. And because in Air Force, I sort of, even though Air Force has not played as great against Boise State the past couple of years, like, it's been close. Like, um, Boise's been winning, but it has, it's not like it's been blocked. So this kind of is in that same time frame. But, like, when you look at the defensive players, also, like, Scale, Gillian, and then he left to win. And then comes in Keegan Freeborn, led the team in tackles. A bigger issue down lower could be Demetri Washington, who was carved off the field, could be a season-ending injury. He has Shane Irwin, took his spot, eight tackles. So it's like they had these backups, and that's why their depth is such a big, big deal, like we mentioned with Matt earlier on. Jack Sears come in, lose two defensive starters. George Wadden goes out. Andrew Van Buren comes in 12 times, 70 yards, and two touchdowns. So this is a team where, yes, they recruit better than everybody else, like we mentioned, but they have the depth to step in right away. And Van Buren's been around like this new guy in the block, but it was all those guys. Like Jack Sears, 283 touchdowns. Van Buren, two t and then one on the ground. Van Buren, 12 for 72 TDs. Um, and C.T. Thomas, two for 101 and two touchdowns. Two catches, two touchdowns. The game started with a 75-yard bomb. <laughs> and so, like, they came up. But then again, they only win by 19 points. So the defense did struggle a bit because Air Force, which is wild, they did get, like, Nolan Remsburg back, a couple of offensive linemen. The, they did not have Tim, Tim Jackson. They did not have Kenny Remsburg. They also didn't have um, – oh, actually, they have – and then, like, during the game, like, you had Hazeek Daniels not finish the game. Like, he didn't play the whole game. He only rushed the ball a handful of times. They come in with um, two other quarterbacks. We'll see what their situation is going forward. They, like, Warren Bryan came in, um, junior quarterback, threw a couple of passes. When he did run the ball, he did run pretty well, 19 for 87. So maybe there's a positive there. The offense was still, still moving with guys, like, uh, with other running backs on the team, like, Air Force is so freaking deep at running back. It's like, who the heck's going to step up next? And there's always somebody there who runs the ball, whether it's Brian. Oh, excuse me there. They have all these guys. Like, imagine, here's the weird thing about Air Force that's awesome for them. It's like, imagine this team where, yeah, you don't have your top two running backs, but you have these guys who come in and play who aren't uh, consistent starters. But then again, they come in and do their thing and get five yards of carry. They pull out, still had 415 yards and four TDs. And this game was, the reason, it, it kind of, okay, it was close, the final score was not as close to what it was as a kind of proper up Air Force. It was 28 to 17 that. So they had a, a comfy 11 point lead, 18 point lead heading to the fourth quarter. So don't make it seem like Air Force was really in this game. It's like the game a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year where a couple plays here there could have been different, but Air Force, was down double digits going into the fourth quarter. This game kind of played out the same way. And, when, and they did, like, like the exchange touchdown, Air Force missed uh, at least one field goal, which didn't help in this game. But they just couldn't stop Boise State when they needed to. They In the second half alone, Boise State only punted one time. They scored a t they scored touchdown every time, except for two possessions. And one of the possessions was end of game. And so all but two they score. And so that's a concern as well, or concern for for. Air Force or their defense 
can't step up. And we knew going in, this Air Force secondary is not very good. Like, they could be passed upon. They're not the uh, best team at stop of that, that secondary pass. Like, is now is there a concern for Air Force? I would say a little, but not really. Because last week versus San Jose State, they, did, they lost. They didn't play great. They're 1-2. and two, But they played Boise relatively tough. And putting up 30 points on that team, that's a great thing. Now, looking at Boise State, they're ranked higher to pull if they move up a couple spots. They have BYU at home where BYU is a top 10 team. Why do you, you can't say they're not because that's where the coaches have there. It's like you are what your ranking is or what somebody will pay you. That's what you're worth. They're in the top 10. But what really gets me going or figuring out where they're really at, because Boise is about, uh, what, 22, 23, both bowls now. Boise is only a one-point favorite, or excuse me, one-point underdog where a team where starting quarterback undetermined. Starting running back, likely come back undetermined. Two defensive starters out for this game. Actually, three with Skinner would look in the secondary. Despite all that, they're still only a one underdog by one point at home. There's no, I believe there's going to be no fans, so that's a thing to look at. BYU has never won on the blue turf as well. And BYU has played, honestly, a bunch of nobodies. Like, Houston's okay. They played tough. To, they were close to, I think, the uh, I want to say Texas State game. They squeaked out by seven. They've been doing what they're doing and crushing opponents. I'm not saying they're not a good team, but I'm not saying they're a top 10 team. They're moving up a little bit partly because Big Ten just got started, Pac-12 got, just got started, and they're being advantageous of winning their schedule, which is good for them. Zach Wilson is an amazing quarterback, so we'll see. We'll preview that a lot with me and Matt later in the week. But all sides are good for Boise State. The only one concern, it's just, it's not even a concern because when you play Air Force's rush offense, they can gash any team. And 400 plus yards, not a good look, but also it's like doesn't really matter because no no other no other teams are going to play this year is anything close to that. So let's move on to the next game, which is I loved it. So, oh, sorry, I apologize to the Mexico fans. They did not win the game. It was 38 21. I loved it because it's good to see a story like San Jose State. Hopefully, New Mexico next year or two under Dana Gonzalez can get to this Philly Spartans 2 0. First time since you'll hear it all week. Since Ronald Reagan was president, 33 years, 1987. They had some other good starts, but they've had schedules where they open up against Washington or some power conference team in the Pac-12 or then Pac-10 when they played them, where they just had tough games, where they may have started off like when David Bell was quarterback. They had a good team, but they started off 0-1. Or three, I mean, they weren't winning that first game. But now, schedule easier, not conference play only. They upset Air Force last week. They beat, they beat New Mexico 38-21. There's a couple good things like Nick Starkle. Oh my gosh, she's going to shoot up my quarterback rankings. 467 yards, five touchdowns. I don't care who you play. You get five TDs, you're moving up any ranking you have. It's He's coming in just like Josh Love was. If he has that same production, amazing. Like Billy Gaither, two, there's two guys about once will get to over 200 yards receiving. Trey Walker, 107 yards. Like, he was fighting everybody down the field. Like his favorite two targets, obviously Bailey Gaither and Trey Walker. Those guys combined for 315 passing yards. And this game did go to the end. They won by 17. But New Mexico give them credit. Like they are a passing team. Like Tavaki Toyoti, almost 300 yards, 294, a couple of TDs, one pick. Found like nine receivers. Guys catching multiple passes on this team. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the eight guys caught more than one pass. The this is a game where New Mexico has promise here. Rushing game could be better because Toyota led the way with 69 rushing yards. So that's not ideal. But when you look out play-by-play, play, going through the game, 
It was 7 0 San Jose State. It was 21 14 and a half. It was a slow bird for San Jose State to pull away. And there have been a couple of differences here. Like, New Mexico could have had chances. Michigan will go first drive. San Jose State goes risky for a Kareem Robinson no run. It was a 31 yard, 31 yard line. So they're probably too far for a field goal. Like, you're not going to putt. So they get turnover and downs there. New Mexico putts. So New Mexico could have had points in the first two drives. Didn't come away with it, but it kind of went back and forth. Fair. Okay, they exchanged touchdowns, exchanged putts. One interception for a touchdown that went for San Jose State's way kind of sealed it when it was late in the game. But like overall, when you look what these both these teams did, I'm loving San Jose State chucking the ball. They're, both these teams' running game could be better. If I'm taking anything away, there's no explosiveness from the San Jose, San Jose State rushing. So when they play San Diego State next week, despite them playing tough the past couple of years against them, Got to be multidimensional. Um, I guess the good thing about San Jose State, the Russian defense, yeah, you're playing New Mexico, not great on that edge, but they held them to, they rushed 40 times. It had 149. Only two big plays. One was Tuiati's 26-yarder, and then they had one other long run for Bobby Cole for a 19-yarder. Like, this game was, these two teams, like, the Mountain West, what we said, it's all being more competitive. Okay, maybe not. There's a lot of double-digit victories. But there's a lot of points being scored. It's going to come back to rest. Play with your team. Be consistency. This is where I'm fearful for New Mexico this year. As we mentioned before, they're going. They're not playing. They're not returning home after this game. They're going to Las Vegas. They're going to prepare for Hawaii there. They're going to travel to Hawaii. When they come back, who knows what they're going to do. They, got, they played Nevada at home scheduled, I'll still say. They may move that game to Reno. Then they have a couple road games, Air Force, USU. But the state of Mexico, two-week quarantine, no matter what negative test or not, does not allow you to come into the state and practice as normal or live your life as normal. So, like, we mentioned, what's a tough mental state? Like, if you're an athlete, coach, trainer on this team, you're going to school, because that's part of it, too. It's like, it's hard. You're going to be in school still. It's like, it's going to be tough to handle classes, despite probably they're all online anyway. So there's, <coughs> excuse me. They're doing online classes, so that's not different, but they're at a hotel. They're somewhere new in Las Vegas where you can't really have fun because Las Vegas, you can't just go out and do stuff. You're going to be with your team to keep safe and not get sick. Like, if they're in Vegas all year, it's going to be costly, despite what interesting note from AD, Eddie Nudash said is where them playing the games will go toward the TV money from Fox and CBS. They will get more money from that than not playing, which is good, but then again, it'll be less money, so when they have to help play the baseball team, Soccer, softball, swim team, club, the sports, not club, but not revenue. An issue, but the mental toll, it's like the bubble. Matt said earlier, those guys are, for the finals, they're, they're firm. It's like, I can't wait to get out of here. It's tough, it's tough sledding. And these are college athletes basically doing it for free. And so that'll be a toll to take as something to watch for the team going forward. But I do like the improvement in Danny Gonzalez in that first game. 21 points, very good passing game, which is nice. And the Rocky Log defense, there were spurts where it was good, but not great overall. But all right, let's move on to the next game. This game, 38-7. Let's just say it now. Aztec rushing offense is back. Looks really good. Here's the problem. Utah State, sorry, Aggie fans, this honestly and realistically might be the worst team in the conference. Might be. So they lost 38-7. This is going to be a quick recap here. 407 yards for Aztec rushing attack. The, the rushing game is back. Like Greg Bell, 157. Chance Bell, 98 yards on 10 carries. Jordan Bird, one touch, 
73 yards touchdown. They had explosive plays. And for Utah State, there's going to be a quarterback issue because Jason Shelley, second week in a row, under 100 yards. They brought in Andrew Pizzo, the retro freshman. A little bit better, but not really. 24 yards, five, at least he's 50%, which is not better because Shelley was actually 13-21. No downfield passing attempt at all. Zero running game efficiency. Okay, they did have the one touchdown to Devin Hopkins, which was amazing. So you got to give credit for that, that second quarter TD. But besides that, there was literally nothing positive to say about Utah State offense or defense. Jalen Warner didn't play. They just say undisclosed, so who knows that's a COVID thing. But Devontae Henry Cole from Utah State, or Utah, that a half second at BYU, had five, five rushing yards. Or excuse me, a log of five, apologies. 27 total yards. Like, there's not much. Like, they, they lost the fumble. They... Only got the quarterback one time. Got they did get a couple of TFLs. But like this team, like why it's not good when Shaq Bond in your secondary leads your team in tackles. It's like when your safety has the most tackles. Like what the heck is going on? That is definitely not what you want. So it's like this team. It's like, I don't know what to say, man. Like Cash Gilliam played all right in this game. He had double digit tackles. Like he had two TFLs, half sacks. So we actually played quite well. But like overall, like. There's nothing to be good at. Like, even San Diego State's defense, only seven points. They didn't even have to get the quarterback. They had four TFLs in one sack. Like, they weren't even abusing Jason Shelley or Andrew Peasley. They were just stopping the running back at the last scrimmage. So, with this, Aztecs rushed offenses back. Defense looked really good, even though they didn't even need to have spectacular plays. They just played their great defense. And we look at Corsi Baker. This is what you want from a quarterback from San Diego State. I'm not kidding. 18 27. No interceptions, key. Two touchdowns, good. 163 yards. That's all I need to do. Be something in that range, like get about 150 and complete 65%. You're great because the running game is here, and it it's it rocked. What also good thing for Baker as well for the passing game for Aztecs. He wasn't throwing to one or two guys. He split it up. Nine guys had at least one catch, and six had more than one. So he spread the ball around. Moving downfield a little bit, he had four, at least four passes over 10 yards, one a 29-yarder. Running game was explosive. Utah State has no answers. And honestly, Gary Anderson, you're in trouble, buddy. Like, you're in year two. You're getting blown out by San Diego State again. You lost your opener the week prior. You're 0-2. And opening season loss against the Boy State was not even competitive. Like, there needs to be some spark in the passing game. I don't know if he's going to go to Peasley going forward, but... I could have told people this. I was sort of excited for Shelley, but I was telling people to be extremely cautious. When he played at Utah, it was all the defense, all hitting the ball off, couldn't score any points in the bowl game versus Northwestern, couldn't score any points losing 10-3 in the Pac-12 title game versus Washington. Like, it was all defense for the victories. He's not an amazing quarterback. So I don't know if they're trying to make a move for Peasley because Shelley, I believe, is just one year left. Peasley's a redshirt freshman. Give him the time to go through the lumps and do it. Like, I don't know. Had they had Jalen Ward, would it made a difference? Probably not. Maybe another touchdown. But they just were not competitive in the second half. They were outscored 28-0. And San Diego State did whatever they wanted in that second half. Like, there's fumble, punt, interception. Like, the Utah State offense, in the second half, they had a three and out. A three and out. Four plays interception. Two plays of fumble. Their best drive was down 31-7. A 10-play drive that ended in a punt. Which, here's what I don't get. You're 4th and 19, I get it. 
You're at the ASIC 36 yard line. What's their Harvard going with it? And here's what's also what's a backbreaker. That putt, pristine to the one yard line. No dash next to six plays, 99 yards for a touchdown. And that was the 73 yard uh, Jordan Bertini at first and 10 of the 27. And then as Utah State comes around, interception, fumble, next two drives. So Utah State is really, really, really bad. And honestly, I did not put them 12 in the power pull. I put them 11. But, and there's a reason I predicted them to have one win this year. And looking at what they have now, I can see them going over and losing to, to New Mexico. Nor I can see, but New Mexico could be interesting because, again, their travel issues are going to cause a lot of headaches and be tough for what they're wanting to do this year. And just being that team traveling here, traveling there, it's going to be tough to follow through. Like, they have Nevada next week, like, these first three games, yeah, they're tough and not easy. Boise State, San Diego State, like, Nevada could beat them like Boise State did. Fresno State's offense look good. Jake Hayter, three touchdowns. Roddy Rivers looks really good. Then they play well. I mean, on their own defense, that's tough for Bridger's rifle. Like, they're, they, like, Air Force, eh, maybe, depending how they go, but probably not CSU, maybe. But, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they were the only one, like, to go over this year. I don't want to see teams lose every game because it's not fun to talk about teams that aren't great, but. I want to see something from Utah State. I'm not seeing it. Final game of the week. The most expensive trophy in college football. The Fremont Cannon. Turning blue. And the favorite actually stepped up and won big. As Nevada did. A 37-19 victory. That was not all that close. Because Nevada just kept scoring double digits nearly every quarter. The quarterback played the Mountain West. I am loving it. Carson Strong. I mentioned before. Has nearly 800 yards in two games. 350 this game. Two TDs. Toa Tao was back, which he didn't play last week, so I'm not sure why. Could have been COVID, could have been contact tracing. They don't say. I'm assuming that's likely the case, probably contract tracing. 86 yards of TD, really good. They also had a very nice backup in Devontae Lee, a big 35-yarder and 45 overall to touch. So, like, the running game did quite well. But here's the big thing. Romeo Dobbs, oh, boy, 211 yards. Two guys in the conference had over 200 yards receiving. That is wild for what, what they were doing. Like, they moved the ball well versus UNLV, who I do, do need to give some props to UNLV. Max Gilliam played much better than last week. No interceptions. Huge. 27-40. A 40, pretty good. 207. Yeah, I'd like that be higher. Charles, Charles, Charles Williams, excuse me, 99 yards, but no scores. Gilliam also 20 to the ground. So UNLV did show improvement. They moved the ball well. Gilliam looks good at quarterback overall. No interceptions, but the problem is the defense couldn't stop anybody. And Udali's offense stumbled here and there. Like, they had a nice uh, play, like Tyler Collins played quite well, had 174 yards. But when you look at overall, Udali's defense, they got the QB too, which is why it's so frustrating. Overall, like, the, the trio of sacks, three sacks, seven TFLs, so basically similar numbers for Nevada defense, but... What it came down to, like, watching this game and what's going on, like, it was just the offense just stumbled, like, settling for field goals, which, if you go back years before, you know how that is. You're not settling at the 35-yard line, but just not punching the ball in when you get close to the red zone. Like, they had, for they were inside the red zone, first and 10 to 15, only gained one yard, kicking the field goal. They're making them, that's good. But when you're scoring field goals against a Nevada team, that's going to score touchdowns, which I believe outside of the opening score, everything was a touchdown. No, sorry, two. 
or a touch or a field goal or so my math is wrong. Three field goals, apologies. But when yet Nevada's basically scored on every possession, like in the first half, they only punted one time. In the second half, they did not punt at all. Well, I guess technically the end of game kneel down. But they really only had three possessions, like in the second half. Like they were not getting the chances. And that is not many possessions. And you you know that's good little possession because they had a 14 play drive, touchdown. But then when they have a 16 play drive, no scores, and go 46 yards, have the ball for six minutes, like they were slowly, methodically attempting to move the ball. Like they had a nice fourth and two game on the Max Gilliam run to get a first down. They converted two fourth down possessions. I figure, oh, we'll go for a third. But when it's fourth and 12, it's tough. So that drive was key. Down 34 to 18. Like there was not much time left in the game at that point. So it's like it's now or never. So you know, these showed improvement. I like what they did. They just got stuck a few times. Like they had a handful, too many punts and field goals. Like how they scored a touchdown here or there, they would have been in this game. And they weren't home team. They were in Allegiant Stadium. There were a couple fans in the stand, not many. But like I like what I saw from UNLV because they actually stood up and scored points. They just need to move the ball better to get some touchdowns over field goals and just slow down a defense. Like they've had it, I wouldn't say they did what they want, but they were exceptional on offense. And this was a game where they couldn't stop Romeo Dobbs. Oh, it's a big deal. Two hundred plus yards, like dude, come on. You gotta get in there. And I did I still put UNLV twelfth as I mentioned the power pool, but they probably probably Actually, I, I probably could flip a Utah State, but probably not yet. They play. They host Fresno next week. Like their schedule's not super easy. They host Fresno. Yeah, I don't know. They go to San Jose State. Maybe I'm not sold on the Spartans, even though I do think they're better. CSU's not amazing, but then they get Wyoming, Boise, and out Hawaii, which I would lead Hawaii. But Rebels, they did show improvement. It's good to see Marcus Royal get a bit better this week. So we'll see how it goes going forward, but. I, I think they're a solid team that are, I don't know, solid, but they're a team that I think might be able to scare somebody. That's going to figure, figure out a way, excuse me, to get more drives in this game, get more points. All right, solo show's done. My voice is kind of shot because I'm going by myself for about an hour, so that's a little bit tricky. But I appreciate everyone for listening this week. Matt Wadley for joining me for the first 20 plus minutes talking for us. No, some big picture stuff. We'll be back next week sometime for our preview show. Again, <coughs> excuse me. These will be going up like Wednesday night, Thursday morning with all these Thursday games. So check us out at MWR.com. Got the winners, losers, column up, poll rankings, power poll this week, highlights from this past week. So if you missed anything, we got you covered. So again, check us out at MWR.com. Tell your friends, subscribe, and we'll see you next time, folks.